is no more. Baker stops at third. Adrian Cardenas comes up from AAA and breaks up a no-hitter. Good morning, and welcome to episode 323 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined as always by Sam Miller, and we have a guest today. Uh, our guest is Adrian Cardenas, who is a former professional baseball player, for former big league baseball player, and wrote an article for The New Yorker last week that got a lot of attention and a lot of deserved attention. It's a, it's a really interesting piece. Uh, and so we're going to talk to him about some of the things that he brings up here, and we'll, of course, link to it on the Facebook group and the, the podcast post at BP so that you can go check it out yourself. Uh, so this piece is about how Adrian left baseball, and all of us uh, come to the point where we leave the game. Usually we are forced out of the game because we're not very good at it. Uh, for me, this, this was freshman year of high school. For Adrian, that moment never really came, uh, and he left by choice, uh, which is is sort of an unusual story. So we'll we'll ask him about what went into that. So to I guess to start out, um, before you got to that point, you were, you know, for people who don't follow prospects or the minor leagues that closely, you you were a prospect, very very much so. Uh, you were a, a first round pick. You got a first round bonus. You made top 100 lists and, you know, various rankings of the best, you know, infield prospects in the minor leagues and everything. So you were, you know, a, a legitimate prospect who had probably a, a, you know, a long career ahead of him or at least the potential for one. To, to go back even further, you, uh, you chose not to go to school. You, you, you were drafted out of high school. And at that point, you were fully committed to playing, right? Was it a consideration to go to school first? I think it was definitely a consideration primarily because my senior year, it wasn't until the senior year that I had in high school that, that, that I even entertained playing professionally and not going to college. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to have success, but I wasn't your, your typical, you know, six, four, uh, through 95 across the diamond and hit light tower home runs, uh, where where teams generally are are more liable to you know they're they're more inclined to give that sort of money to someone like that where there's more upside. You know, I I barely was six feet tall, and you know, in in relation to major league uh, criteria, you know, I was average speed you know, had a, an average arm, maybe slightly above average, you know, my thing was hitting. I was, I was a very good contact hitter and, and I felt like I was, I was, I was smart and I knew what I was doing and I, I felt like I was able to maximize my potential. But to answer your question, yeah, no, I, I hadn't even thought about, about playing baseball professionally until, you know, maybe halfway into my senior year when I, when I had a, a crazy senior year, and I was fortunate to have great players like Chris Marrero, who's been up and down the major leagues, and, and you know a few years prior, Gio Gonzalez, uh, who's you know one of the the aces for the Nationals. Uh, so I was able to you know through them get a lot of looks from scouts and scouting directors, and, and fortunately, my uh, my status elevated, and, and that became a serious uh, contender to get drafted as high as I did, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and did you have before that, 
crazy senior year, did you have a, a plan for yourself at all? Did you have something in mind for what you, you wanted to do down the road? Yeah, I mean, I think I wanted to... I don't want to say that I wanted to study because I wanted to play baseball at that time. All I wanted to do was play baseball. I wanted, you know, I, I knew I wanted to go to school, but I wanted to go to school more because I was going to be fortunate enough to play baseball. And I wanted to go to the best baseball school, not, not, uh, not the best academic school. Uh, so yeah, that, that was, that was my main concern. That's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to continue playing this game that I absolutely loved and fell in love with as a child. Mm -hmm. So once you started playing professionally, it doesn't sound like, uh, in your piece that you really had any trouble adjusting to that lifestyle. You know, like a lot of people, maybe they haven't been away from home before they're riding the bus, they're homesick. It, it sounds like you, you know, you, at least you look back fondly on it. I don't know whether at the time it was at all jarring, but was it, was it a pretty smooth transition into playing professionally? I think it was a, a relatively smooth transition. I mean, like you said, uh, you know, this piece was, was written after I, I, you know, when I was no longer playing baseball at any level. Uh, so I was able to reflect and, and, and look at these, you know, these snippets of, of my baseball career uh, individually and, and, and see how I felt about it. And I feel like it's one of those things where where, where I, I tell myself I'd never do, you know, I'd never do again, but gosh, I, I love the fact that it happened and I love the fact that I was able to experience it. But, uh, but those long bus rides can get kind of, kind of grueling and, and annoying at times, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You had to, uh, a couple times you had to switch teams once you were traded uh, and once you were claimed off waivers. And uh, teams will, I gather, tell you at that stage in your, in your life, if, you know, if, you, if, you're, if a team lets you go, that can be sort of hurtful maybe to you, but at the same time, it's another team that has expressed interest in you. I'm just wondering, does, does that play in your brain at the time, or is it really hard to be sort of 22 and really anonymous and kind of broke and have uh, another team just kind of give you away? You know, I think at that point, I'm trying to remember exactly when I was uh, designated. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it was 23 or 24. Um, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that after a few years, you start understanding more and more how the game works and how the business side of things work. And and forget the business side of things, just how 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 competitive it is and the things that uh, that players have to do and, and owners have to do to to make their to make their team successful. Um, so yeah, sure, it's a it's a shot it's a shot and it hurts and it's a blow when when you're you know when you're when you get the call and you said hey you know we're going to designate you and then we'll see what happens if nobody picks you up you know we're going to if nobody claims you off waivers we're still going to offer you a chance uh we're, you know we're still going to bring you back you know it, it sucks but it's one of those things where you just kind of got to fight through and, and you can't let it affect you because if not i mean it's just one big spiral downward and that as a baseball player i think that's what you aim not to do or not to arrive at you know you you kind of take your punches and your blows and you kind of gotta have thick skin and, and forget about it and move on and move on and move on 
and, and, and trying to be as successful as you can. Yeah, the idea of baseball as a business is something that you explicitly talk about sort of struggling with, and, and I'll, I'll quote you say, I quit baseball. I quit because baseball was sacred to me until I started getting paid for it. The more that baseball became synonymous with business, the less it meant to me. And I saw less of myself in the game every time I got a check from the Philadelphia Phillies organization, the Oakland Athletic Company, or the Chicago Cubs LLC. I kind of imagine at the really lower levels, it it seems like uh, it would feel almost like a starving artist sort of scenario where you're getting paid so little that you wouldn't necessarily feel like it was a business. You're you're really sacrificing in a way for your craft. Um, when was it, was that how it was when it started, or was like the first paycheck really that jarring to you? When did you sort of start to look at it more as um, you know as a business as a job in a way that that bothered you? Well, I mean, even that's in part true, but even even at a, at at the onset of the minor leagues, you see it, and, and you know, and I'll explain because I was fortunate enough to get the money that I did. Uh, they're obviously going to give me every opportunity to succeed, sometimes more than 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 say another player who's more deserving of that, and that's and 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 that can be that can be if you're aware of these things. Uh, regardless of what side you're you're on, it can be a little alarming. You know, it can be alarming that the first rounder makes a mistake, uh, or you know, someone who, who you know got peanuts to sign, or you know, they gave them a thousand dollars to sign, uh, makes a mistake, and and the first rounder is aware of it, and 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 you know, they they do the play over again in practice, and he makes the same mistake, and he's not treated. He's not scoffed at as much as 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 you know the manager may may reprimand the one who's not you know given as much money. You see that you see that over and over and over again. Uh, when when you know first rounder might be struggling and then batting two twenty or two fifteen, many times they keep him and send down someone who may be doing a lot better. He may be hitting three hundred, three oh five, three ten, three fifteen, and the reason being many times is because, you know, they invested a certain amount of money on this particular player and they're going to give him every opportunity to, uh, to progress and, and, uh, and, and try to make it as far as he can. Uh, so, so, I mean, you definitely see it from the very beginning and it's something, like I said in that story, that I was, I was very aware of. And unfortunately, I wasn't good at separating the two. You know, I, I should have just in my opinion, uh, looking back, taking it with a grain of salt and just move forward and, and, and just have been happy maybe with the position that I was in because I was fortunate uh, to be one of the guys who, who was given uh, a large signing bonus. Uh, so I knew I was going to get a large opportunity. So uh, you, you hang in there through the minors. You, you get the call last year. Uh, Blake DeWitt, I guess, goes down with a back injury in May. You get called up, uh, and it sounds like you know when you were initially called up, you had the same same sort of uh, feelings that that we typically associate with someone who makes his major league debut. I looked up a, a story from from that day, and you know you went out and and touched the ivy in Wrigley Field, and uh, and you you write about it in your story. Uh, you were happy happy that I had arrived at a place so hard to reach, astounded that I was now playing with the players I had idolized and determined to keep getting better so that I could take their jobs. 
uh, and you were up and down a couple times during the season. You broke up an A.J. Burnett no-hitter in the eighth inning. At what point uh, during this process do you start to have any sort of misgivings, or, or at what point does the euphoria wear off and you start to consider whether this is what, what you want to keep doing? I think for me, much prior to that, uh, uh-huh. it, it happened a lot earlier, uh, and I think there has to you have to have some context, and that's that my parents, I grew up, my parents don't know anything about baseball, and so I grew up uh, being exposed to music and language and writing things. You know, these things weren't new to me as far as writing and reading goes. These things that I... Where I was incredibly passionate about and grew a, a, an immense passion for, um, and and when I decided to play professionally, that I had to sacrifice because I had to. When you get to that level and when uh, when baseball becomes a business, your job is to to be as good a baseball player as you can, and that comes. You know, there's a lot of demands that comes with that. And, and that includes practicing a lot and, and staying up really late and getting up really early to the point where you a lot of times don't have uh, the, the energy to do some of the other things that you want to do. And that, that, that for me over time started taking, having a bigger effect on me. Um, I started going to school. I started going to school three years in 2010 prior to getting that call up to the major league. So mm-hmm. this wasn't on a whim, you know, since 2010, I was going to school. Uh, I mean, I was, I was having my season during spring and spring training and all that stuff. And then in the off seasons, I'd fly to New York and, you know, and, and do a semester there. At one point I, I was even taking a class in the spring during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so over time, I just, I started enjoying this, this, this other side of me and the side that I felt like I repressed a little bit when I got into professional baseball and I wanted to do more and more and more of that. And it got to the point I felt like um, when I got to the major leagues that I wanted to choose one over the other, maybe a little bit before that, but I like seeing things through to the, to the end or at least to, at least I wanted for me to attain the goal that I always wanted uh, which was to make it to the major leagues. I mean, that's something that I arbitrarily decided when I was five that I wanted to do. So uh, to stop cold turkey before making it when I felt like I had the chance to make it and I, I felt like I was good enough to make it would have been much more crazy than, than leaving it when I did. And and so when you get there and you, you're playing in front of the, the big crowds and with all these players that you grew up watching – are you? Did you then start to have any second thoughts about that? That you know, okay, I got here, but now I, I kind of like it here. Or did you, once the paychecks then started getting bigger, once you're in the major leagues, uh, I, I guess that that's the point where you you start to lose your your sort of uh, passion for for playing a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, look, of course, and and this is something that I felt was very important to to put in this story. It, this this decision comes with a lot of regrets. Uh, of course, there's a lot of things. I think what I what I talk about in the story is is being held accountable. You know, and the business uh, forces you uh, to to be held accountable. Where without it, 
you know, you wouldn't be held as accountable if, if, if you were just playing for fun. Mm-hmm. You know, that's obviously great. But there's also the, the, the obvious the obvious ones, playing for, in front of Wrigley Field, you know, going out to left field and having people holler your name for the first time and you're a, a, a nobody and they know you by first name and, and, you know, they ask you to raise your hand up and tell them how many outs there are. Uh, the private planes, the the large sums of money that you're getting, the ridiculous amounts of money that you're getting, the perks that come with playing, all that is wonderful, all that is great. Uh, for me personally, and this is, uh, like I said, just strictly personal opinion, it, it was incredibly superficial, uh, and it got to the point where I wanted more. Uh, I wanted more, and at this point, I was already so far in in, in school and in these other things that I was passionate about that these things were relevant by comparison, and mm-hmm. that that that's where the problem sort of uh, boiled a mm-hmm. little more. And and I could imagine someone thinking, because you know you you talk in your piece a lot about how much failure is involved in baseball, uh, and. Someone could say, oh, well, he, he got to the majors and suddenly he realized, you know, all these eyes were on him and the failure was suddenly on SportsCenter and, you know, he didn't he didn't want that kind of pressure in his life. But it sounds like that's not at all the case. You say in your piece, now that I've quit, I will never again find myself in a position where the stakes are so high and I'm held accountable. I miss that the most. So it wasn't it wasn't that, you know, like uh, often if a if a player, you know, retires early or, or sort of even doesn't make it to the majors, it's like a, you know, a scouts will say it's a makeup issue. He didn't have the the mental strength or the fortitude to deal with the failure and the expectations and the pressure. But for you, that wasn't really a, a factor, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, again, it, these, these issues are incredibly complex, and that's sort of, you know, that's another thing I wanted to uh to to write about uh, you know the, the the cynic will will say just that that i quit because i couldn't hack it or you know whatever and and i'm not you know i, w- I will never first off i would never deny that opinion and i would never uh, deny the fact that you know had i got in there and i i had hit 400 you know in my in my brief pinch hits or in like the small stint that i was in the major leagues mm-hmm. and you know say i was offered a, a five-year deal you know i probably would have stayed <laughs> uh-huh. uh maybe maybe not i i'm not sure what i would have done that doesn't necessarily mean that i would have been more happy you know even if they were paying me more uh obviously the fact that I, I I didn't have immediate success. Uh, I'm, I mean, it had to play a part in in my decision and maybe look have me look at things in a different way. Uh, you know, there's also the possibility that I wasn't going to be a starter. And I remember a manager telling me, you know, so we were working on things, and, and he's like, you know what, Adrian, who cares if you're not a starter? Uh, wouldn't you want to be a, a utility player for ten years? You know, you get full pension and right. you get a a boatload of money. And the way I looked at it was, no, <laughs> are you kidding me? I wouldn't want to be a utility player for ten years. I want to be an everyday player. Why do you think I play baseball? You know, <laughs> to play baseball, not to come in in the eighth or ninth and pinch hit every now and then. Um, and and that I feel like that was my makeup. So to 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 say, oh, you know, he couldn't hack it, it, it just seems 
for me, it seems hard to believe. And believe me, I go over that and I ask myself that question all the time. As far as SportsCenter goes, it's, that's definitely not the case. Cause I think the only time I was in SportsCenter <laughs> was when I broke up the no-hitter. Right. That, was, that was a positive. <laughs> uh, so one of the good things about uh, being a young rookie in, in the game. But, yeah. So. so by the time you get to the majors, you're making money for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, there's also a lot of people who have uh, kind of emotionally invested a lot in, in your success, in your development, and who also who love you and want to see you thrive. So when you started telling people you were leaving or when you announced it, um, how much did people in the game try to change your mind? <laughs> I, I reached out. I'm trying to think about this before I, I can give you an answer. <laughs> uh, I, I, the first person I reached out to and, and told when I knew for certain that I was quitting was, of course, Theo Epstein, my general manager. Um, and me and Theo go, uh, go further back in that when I was in high school, he was obviously the general manager for the Boston Red Sox, and, and he scouted me at a very young age. And, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to pick me up uh, in the draft that year, but they, you know, I got picked 37th overall, and I think their pick was 41. They had 41 and 44, and they were going to pick pick me up. Him and, and Jason was his right hand man, uh, and I met them later. And then they told me one day, they're like, "We're going to get you one day. We're going to get you one day." And, and sure enough, when I was uh, put on waivers, I got a call from 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 Jason or I mean sorry from Theo who told me you know I told you we were going to get you I told you we were going to get you uh, so it was this sort of you know it was wonderful in that sense and this this guy who who, who said he was going to do something and did it uh, in my opinion Theo Epstein among all the general managers that I've met is, is the best one and I'll give you the specific reason why I, I think he's able to balance the business and the game perfectly, and he's able to be incredibly honest uh, when he has to say very negative things or make very hard decisions. Uh, he's he's able to, to balance it perfectly. Uh, but anyways, because of that, I felt I felt obligated to tell him first and foremost. Not to mention he was the general manager of the Cubs, um, and they had. They had put an offer, and I, I you know, I respected, respectively declined the offer. I, I think Theo understood a little bit. I don't know if you know much about his, uh, about Theo's family, but his father is the head of the creative writing department at Boston University. His sister, I think, writes for Law and Order. You know, I, I think it's his uncle and his grandfather. You know, the two of his uh, close family members wrote the screenplay Casablanca. You know, so they're they're involved in the creative world, and and Theo knew all along that I was a very creative play, uh, person and had these aspirations to do other things outside of baseball. You know, not not right there and then, but since he got to know me at the age of eighteen. Uh, so I, I I you know I'm not going to speak for Theo, but I think I think he you know I'm not going to say he knew it was coming because he didn't, uh, but I. Uh, he definitely understood it, and he wished me the best. In fact, he, he wrote me a letter of recommendation. I'm in the process of applying to, to grad school for, for directing now, mm. uh, and he wrote me one of my letters of recommendation. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, aside from him, other people, you know, I guess they were on the fence. There's a lot of people who obviously told me to, to 
stick around uh, for a little longer, uh, mostly to get to get some money or so that I don't have any regrets. That was the main thing. Uh, but at that point, I felt like I was ready to to take that leap. Does it does it worry you? Did did it occur to you that um, you know whatever you do next, writing or or anything creative that you do? is also going to seem sacred until you start getting paid for it, and then you're going to have to, you know, kind of deal with that for the next four years. <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got to I gotta admit, I mean, it's not that I wasn't aware of that when I left baseball, but I was definitely a little naive to it. I, I thought somehow I'd be able to, you know, bypass the whole business thing. Like, oh, and I already dealt with the business side of things. I'm not going to have to do that. You know, obviously – you need to make a living at some point, and, and that entails you dealing with the business side of things. Fortunately, however, I've been very smart with my money, and I feel like I can, you know, for instance, the whole writing thing for me. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing this, this writing career, if that's what you'd want to call it, um, but I don't have that urgency to to produce for a publishing company, let's say, because, you know, they gave me a book advance and I'm obligated to do this or obligated to do that. I mean, I'm sure if, if I sign a contract, something similar to that would happen. But what I'm getting at is that because of my situation financially, I don't have to sacrifice a lot of my wants and my desires as a, as a writer, um, for the business side of things, and I think that's incredibly important. But at the end of the day, obviously, it's inescapable. You have to deal with it at some point. Right? If you become a podcast host, we promise you won't make any money. So you can, <laughs> so think about that. Yeah, if people don't understand, I worked on this New Yorker piece for like six months, and then you got paid two hundred fifty bucks for it. So I think we, we both we both know that feeling. I think, um, and 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 the people that you you played with when is this something that you shared with people either in the minors or in the majors, or did you kind of keep to yourself that that you even had these thoughts on the way up? Because I imagine not many players do. They're, you know, focused on getting their very single-minded obsession on, on getting there. And I, I can imagine some of them might not even understand how you could get to that point and, and have these doubts. Uh, so is it something that uh, people were, were kind of shocked when you told them or were they aware from, from you sort of sharing it with them before? No, you know, it, it's funny that, yeah, there's a lot of players, that, you know, I, I think I'd venture out and say most players right, won't understand and don't understand. However, I think there is, and maybe surprisingly so, there are players who who, who definitely um, see things the way that I that I saw things. They, I mean, they just didn't, you know, a lot of them haven't taken that leap. Um, and then maybe cause they don't have other things pulling them so strongly. Um, like I said, for me, I, I didn't grow up with the father that, that made me play baseball every day and, and, you know, made me go to the park. Uh, I, I, I in the beginning of the story, I talk about my ignorance for the game and for the history of the game, uh, which I, I think is true to a lot of players. Um, and something that I was able to appreciate after I left, you know, gaining this historical this historical perspective, which is really the whole point of of the story for me. Um, but there there are players there are players that deal with it because you you just see it on a consistent basis the 
the the traveling, the dealing with what you got to deal with. I mean, we're we're obviously human, and 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 just dealing with the ups and downs. And like I was talking about uh, in the story, a lot of times, you know, you have family members who die, close relatives who die, and then maybe you're you're on the verge of getting called up, and you got to make sacrifices. You can't go do these things, and and that takes a toll on you after a while. Um, and if you're not having success or if you're not one of the organization's guys, uh, it becomes very, 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 very difficult for you to to excel and, and to get a chance, you know, to even get a chance to play. You know, many people say, oh, you're in the minor, minor leagues. There's always a chance. Well, you know, <laughs> I think there's some truth to that, but I, I think for the most part, you know, there there are many cases where even if you're in the major leagues, you do not have a shot to make it to the major leagues. And that might seem shocking or a little counterintuitive, uh, but a lot of people do not have any chance whatsoever to make it to the major leagues, even when they're in the minor leagues. And, you know, I think a lot of those people, a lot of those people understand that, and, and that becomes very difficult to swallow. So... Um, I've been kind of, I'm not sure exactly how to, how to ask this because I'm not sure how I feel about it, but you're a guy who, um, like, like we like guys like you in baseball. You have, you know, an attitude and a, and a worldview and, and a set of priorities that I wish a lot more professional baseball players had. I think it would be good for the league. And so it's, you know, to some degree, it's a little sad that you're not, you know, you're not playing anymore and that we don't get to watch you for 10 years, even in a utility role, if that's what it was. So my my question was sort of is there a solution to this a, a way that baseball can can serve a, a guy like you and, and keep you in the game but then I I'm kind of torn because I also think well baseball is ultimately not that important and, and maybe I'd rather have you writing or, or creating or producing in this world uh, so I, I guess the question is is there a solution or uh, a sub question is should there be a solution? Oof. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's tough to answer I guess. Is there a solution? I yeah, I, I think if it's if it's one thing that maybe maybe people should consider uh more strongly is going to college uh before playing professional baseball. I think about this all the time. It, you know, given the type of person that I was, I perhaps I should have gone to college. Um and I'll talk about all the pros and cons of going to college, but you know, perhaps I should have gone to college and get this whole, you know, this this whole point of my life to to, to be creative and and do all the things that I want to do out of my system and and realize that at the end of the day, baseball does matter and and it's it it's what I should be doing until they take the game away from me and tell me I can no longer play. Uh, maybe, but at that you know at that age, it's just so difficult to say. And I mean, your whole dream as a as a young kid is is to play professional baseball and to do it for a living and to try and uh, get to the point where where you're playing you're playing with all your idols uh, so you kind of don't see it that way and you know I, I look back at it and I, I wonder if I would have gone to college how you know as far as academically I, I would have not known what I wanted to study I probably would have not cared even though I had good offers you know I was either going to go to Florida or Stanford uh, but I didn't know what I wanted to study all I wanted to do was play baseball um, and sometimes to be a good baseball player, especially in in this time where things are so fine tuned, and 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 you're just 
many people, like in order to succeed and get to that point, you basically got to renounce everything else about your life to try and perfect this one thing because there are just so many people uh, and the competition is so great that in order to be successful, you many times have to kind of lose yourself in the game. Uh, and it, I don't know, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard unless you're a freak and a freak in the best sense of the word. I think it's incredibly hard to be able to, you know, balance it too. I felt like I did it. And, you know, when I did it for those three years, uh, the first two in the minor leagues and in the major leagues is when I actually started struggling in the minor leagues. Um, and at that point, I, I wholeheartedly believe that it's, it's because I, I, I started gaining some historical perspective. I, I stopped carrying as much for the game as I did, you know, prior to that. All I wanted to do before is just play baseball. I didn't care to, you know, uh, know. I didn't care to to find out, you know, where the Dodgers played. I didn't care about any of these things. I mean, I had my baseball heroes, Derek Jeter, um, and a few of those guys, Ken Griffey, whatever, and, and, and that's it. And that's all I cared about. And I just wanted to, well, when I got with the Phillies, it was Chase Utley, and, and that's it. And that's all I wanted to do, just play baseball and do what they did. But, I don't know, it's tough. I'm sorry if I didn't answer your question at all. I just have no idea. well thank you very much for for sharing your your story with us and your experience with us uh and again everyone should go read adrian's piece it's on the sporting scene blog at the new yorker we will link to it on facebook and at baseball prospectus you can follow adrian on twitter at at underscore ac cardinus uh, where you can keep up with, with anything else he writes or does, and we wish you the, the best with writing and directing and, and whatever else you, you do. Sam, Ben, thank you very much. Thank you.